0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. A special welcome to those of you watching online. And thank you for your faithfulness in continuing to check in with us each week through this means. And um, as always, I'll remind you that when you're ready to come back in person, if you live locally, uh, we have a spot for you. And it's great to see those of you who are here today in person as well. And uh, those of you who've come back for the first time in a long time, uh, or maybe who are new here for the very first time. uh, It's really great to, to have you with us today. I want to show you a picture on the screen of a bridge. Uh, Some of you would actually know this bridge because maybe you've driven on it. This is uh, called the Lotus Bridge. It connects Macau and mainland China. And uh, one of the things that makes this bridge so interesting and so complicated is that in Macau, you drive on the left-hand side of the road, like many of our friends in Britain. However, in mainland China, uh, they drive on the right-hand side of the road. So, if you're going from one side to the other, you need a bridge that allows you to move from the left side to the right or the right side to the left. And that's what this bridge essentially does. Uh, If you're driving from Macau, you're leaving on the left hand side and you end up in China a few minutes later driving on the right hand side of the road. Now, driving is kind of the same. You've got a steering wheel. You've got a gas pedal, you've got some brakes, you've got some signals and so forth. Um, But this kind of driving requires you to make a transition uh, right in the middle that's gonna leave you driving in a very different way. Same task, but still very different. Uh, You leave on one side of the road and you come back across to the other side of the bridge after this transition, having to do this, something that you've done many times before, but having to do it differently. And this is kind of the image I want us to have in our minds as we think about today the topics that we're going to be looking at as we continue to make our way through the book of Ephesians. That we're going to be doing something that we've done before, but doing it differently. That when we come to faith in Jesus, we have to relearn how to do some of the basic things of everyday life that we had done already, that we had a way of doing them, but now because of our faith in Christ, we're required to do them differently and we have to relearn we've been talking about this for the last number of weeks Uh, we have to relearn how to relate to people who are different than us we have to learn how to handle our anger differently last week pastor john talked about marriage and how we have to think and and see our marriages differently even though we were married before now that we're a christian we have to see our marriage differently And this is not just about kind of learning a couple of tricks of the trade. This is not about just learning to be nicer or learning to be kinder or learning to be more polite, although those things will help a lot. This is really about recognizing that when we come to Christ, we are now a new creation. And that a transformation has taken place in our hearts, and the Holy Spirit is beginning this inside-out work in our lives. And so this is about learning to become the person that God has created us to be, and recognizing that that is a process, and the language that we use for that process is called discipleship, or or spiritual formation. Last week, Pastor John gave us this great phrase, Jesus changes everything, and in the topics that we're going to talk about today, that applies as well. We're going to be talking today about parenting, and we're going to be talking today about work, or our jobs, or our careers, and so let me just start by acknowledging today as we get into this topic that I recognize uh, that for some, these topics are difficult topics and may be sensitive or even painful for us, whether it's marriage or children or our careers, um, they can be sources of great joy, but they can also be sources of great pain. So I just want to acknowledge that even as we jump into this topic today, but I think we would all share the common desire that no matter our circumstances, uh, that we would want all of us to find God's way in our lives in these areas. So I'm going to invite you to jump to, to Ephesians chapter 6. And if you have a Bible in front of you or you have one on your phone, I invite you to look it up. Uh, we're going to be talking, kind of working through two sections. The first is talking about children and parents. And the next ses- section is talking about employee employers and employees. So we're going to talk about kids first. So that if there's any kids here, get out a pen and paper. Get ready to take some real detailed notes. Get out an audio recorder, especially my kids, if they would like, you know, just to really make sure that they comprehend the material that we're going to be talking about today. Let me just read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3 for us. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that is, that it will go well with you. It's good for longevity and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Now, the first thing, if you're sitting in Paul's day, listening to this being read uh, in a church service in Paul's time, the first thing that would strike you is that Paul cares about kids, that he's actually acknowledging them. We'll discuss this more in a few minutes, but in Roman culture, it was kind of the exact opposite of our culture today, which is child-centric. In Roman culture, children were just kind of slightly above the value of slaves in that day. Roman culture, um, you could be harsh with kids, especially newborns. A child was not even considered to be a human being until the father acknowledged it. So the fact that Paul speaks about kids speaks to them, validates them. The fact that he places expectations on them is huge. And the fact that Paul doesn't even say that this is just for boy kids, uh, that, he, that he just th- uses the term generically, um, was a huge deal in this day. And he reminds them simply to obey and to honor your parents. So let's talk about that for a few seconds. God created families to be the place where unconditional love, safety, and security were first experienced. And that with this foundation of love and safety and security, um, the result is uh, that parents would then give guardrails, they would give rules, they would have discipline in their families in order to reinforce this environment of love, safety, and security. If we use the analogy from driving, if you have no rules on the road— You are not more safe. Rules keep us safe as we are driving. The same is true in life. The same is true in parenting. And as kids, and many of you can remember, you did not like the rules that your parents gave to you. You didn't always understand them. Maybe they were too strict, but it came from a desire to show love and care and support to us. And this looks different at every age. I mean, it might start with bedtime routines. It might then go to how much time you can spend on your cell phone, to what time you have to be home at night, uh, to not entertaining members of the opposite sex in your bedroom. I mean, it grows. Each, each, Each age requires different kind of rules to help figure out how do we provide loving, safe environments for our kids to grow up and to mature and to learn to trust the Lord. And these rules, like the rules of the road as we're driving... Um, help establish healthy relationships, wise habits, and best practices for life. And it it continues even when your kids enter young adulthood, as we are living out in this day for us. um, The rules are less what time you have to be home and what time you have to be doing homework, and it's more about influence and role modeling, yet with the same goal. So children, your parents are a gift but they are an imperfect gift. They will make mistakes. They will overreact. They will sometimes be too strict. They will sometimes be too naive. um, And we can talk and discuss that with them and try to figure out maybe what are the best rules or practices for our home, but they are imperfect. And one of the great skills that you can learn as a kid, even as a teenager, as a young adult, is that you can disagree with your parents and still honor them, You can argue with your parents and still honor them. And you can dislike their rules and have to live by them and still honor them at the same time. And learning to obey and to honor your parents will be a wonderful skill set that you can learn as a person of faith. As you start to walk with Jesus in your life and you learn to honor and to obey the Lord and His word and His instruction in your life, as well. I just want to say, speak to kids or speak about kids here for a second this morning. I just think this is so important to acknowledge, and you'll, you'll know this. Um, it has been hard to be a kid. These last two years have been so challenging and difficult uh, for our young generation. Incredible. When Natalie Mansvelt came and did a workshop with us back in December, kind of helping parents talk to their kids about issues, one of the things that she said that was so helpful to me, she said, you know, you've got young people who've been sitting at dinner tables or sitting in cars while mom and dad or parents or step-parents talk about all the stresses of COVID and all the issues that are going on in the world because the adults are having a hard time processing all of this information. All the while, these young kids do not have the skills yet to process all of this information, and they feel the stress in ways maybe even more so than we do as adults, and the need to shelter and be mindful of all the things that we talk about around young listening ears as we try to do the best to care for them. It has been difficult, whether you're a preschooler, high schooler, college kid. In these last two years, there has been so much disruption in your world, and the importance of acknowledging that, even just in your own life, in your own faith, in your home as you try to talk about things and you realize everybody's capacity to handle more stress or have awkward or difficult conversations might be slightly diminished. Paul moves on to parents. So now, kids, you can pass the notepad and paper to your parents and they can now take some good notes. Let's read verse 4 together. Fathers, Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I've got a beef with Paul here. He only mentions fathers. It seems a bit unfair, and I'm sure many of you would have suggestions as for why that might be. We'll talk about that another day. Fathers in the ancient world and in Roman times were responsible for raising children and responsible for their education. They set standards which their children had to reach and to achieve. And it was not uncommon for fathers in the ancient world to use a lot of harsh and physical violence at times to help generate enough activity out of the children to reach those milestones. Paul says, in homes of faith, in homes where Jesus is Lord, do not exasperate your children. Now, we can exasperate our kids in a number of ways. Harsh words. A harsh word might be meant to signal or to communicate, you know, you're not really doing a good job in that area and we want you to do better. But over time, harsh words communicate that you are not good as a person. Harsh words over time move kids from guilt to shame. Guilt is, I made a mistake. Shame is, I am mistake. We can exasperate through absence, whether it's physical or emotional. We can be physically present and emotionally absent. We can be physically present, but on our phone. We can be physically present, but our mind is at work. And these verses remind us that what our kids need from us is attention words of affirmation, physical touch, signs of encouragement, and especially in the times that we're living in right now that we cannot be too generous in these things uh, towards our kids. I remember one parent telling me that the most important part of their day is the drive home. And they said, on the drive home, I transition from work to dad, parent, or to husband, and parent. And he said, sometimes I need to drive extra long on the way home in order to just give myself time to process all that's happened at work and kind of close that off for the night and get ready to enter into the home able to be present with my family. As Paul is writing to these Christians, these new believers, as they're trying to figure out what does it look like to be a Christian parent? I know what it was like to be a non-Christian parent. He calls them to be mindful of their influence on the life of of their kids, which leads us to the second point that he says to them. We ought to instruct them and help them grow up to become people of faith. That at every age of our child's life, whether newborn to teenager to young adult, we must find ways to communicate the way of Jesus to them and leverage the many million teachable moments that life offers to help them catch a glimpse of what the way of Jesus looks like. And part of this is just being so intentional as parents making sure that we are creating space to have those conversations, making sure that they've got Christian friends and influences in their life, especially as they get older. Because one of the things that you'll discover as kids, as your parents get older, is they get dumber. Okay? They know way less than you thought they did. And especially in those teenage years, parents know absolutely nothing. And so parents, it's important that in the life of your kids, they have other voices and other influences, because they will look at you and say they know absolutely nothing. This is where, really, the youth leaders that we have in our church, the kids ministry workers that we have in our church, is the great gift that they give to our kids, is they have those other Christ-loving voices in their life, journeying with them through seasons when mom and dad just really are not the option to talk to This is what I love about our kids' ministry curriculum as well. It acknowledges that as a congregation, we have a minor role to play in the faith development of this next generation. But it's home. Moms, dads, stepmoms, stepdads, aunts, uncles, grandparents, you have the major voice in shaping the faith of the young people in your home that we only get a small opportunity. And so we then now partner with you to create opportunities to help you be better prepared for that work and take advantage of the opportunity to see your kids grow up to become people of faith. Let me just speak to parents for a second. We're going to show a picture on the screen. Maybe you've experienced this. Parenting is really hard. Parenting during the pandemic has been really, really hard. Whether you're single parenting, co-parenting, sharing custody, two parents, uh, it has been really, really complicated. And I've had so many people come up to me and say, you know, I'm an aunt or an uncle or I'm a grandparent or I'm just so concerned for all the impact that this pandemic has had on our kids. You've kind of carried this worry around in your bones. And you're right to. These are challenging days. And we need to be there to support one another as we go through these times. Let me just say it again. There are no perfect parents And I think right now in the season, there's a lot of parents saying, oh, I should have, oh, I wish we'd done this better. Oh, I'm concerned about this. Are we even paying attention to that? That we need to give ourselves a bit of grace as we find our way through this season and be attentive and reinforce those basic things of love and security and creating opportunities to be in communication with our kids. But be gracious with yourself in this season. In God's economy, he has created families, and homes to be the place where God's love is demonstrated through the parents to the children so they can grow up in that kind of safe environment and also develop the skill set to love and to honor and to obey, which is an essential skill for people of faith. Well, Paul keeps going here. You can imagine the response that he gets, and we're going to read now into this next section where he talks a little bit about work, uh, bosses in particular, and employees. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about the language that Paul uses here because he uses the language of slaves And I want to just talk about that. Um, This is Black History Month And we remember that both slavery and racism uh, were a part of the Canadian story, part of the North American story, St. John's story, and sadly even part of the church's story at different chapters and we remember that the transatlantic slave trade was an expression of evil Uh, where people created in God's image were devalued simply because of the color of their skin. And we continue to learn and acknowledge all that is wrong with that and the lingering ways that it continues to shape our thinking and our lives as well. Now, as Paul talks about slaves here, he's referring to a slavery that existed in the Roman world that is different from the North Atlantic slave trade which we saw here in North America. Uh, the slavery that Paul is talking about here is not based on race. It's not based on ethnicity. It's more based on circumstance and financial misfortune. Let me explain it a little bit more. Uh, some, tra- some translators, when they come to chapter 6, don't actually use the word slave. Some will use bond servant. Um, it's estimated that about a third of the Roman world were, were slaves at this time. And I'm not saying that it was good or right. I'm just saying that it was different. You could become a slave in Paul's day through abandonment at birth. If you were born a girl and mom and dad wanted a boy, they could just leave you on a hillside. And someone would come by and maybe pick up these babies and take them home and use them to be work, serve in their homes. Uh, maybe you lost a war. You were a neighbor of Rome. They came in, conquered you. They took the captives or the strong ones back to work in the mines. Uh, maybe you were lazy. You didn't do your job. You hit financial misfortune. You could become a slave to the person you owed money to. Uh, But slaves could own property, they could own their own slaves, Uh, they had careers like doctors and accountants. So was it good? No, it was not good. Um, Many slaves were mistreated, and they were abused, and they were taken advantage of. So with that in mind, let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Slaves... Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever he does, whether slave or free. So to sum up Paul's words here to these bondservants, these employees, would be to do your job, but to do it for a different motivation. Do your work as if you were doing it unto the Lord. Again, it would have been easy to say in that day, look, I'm a bondservant. Society doesn't see that I have any value. They don't think I'm worth anything. So the work that I do doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how hard I work. It doesn't matter the quality or how honest I am with my work. But the fact that Paul takes time to affirm their work means to give it value. Because no one else was coming along to the slave community, giving them pep talks about how to be better at their jobs. And I can't help but wonder if for some of you here today, you might find yourself in a job or a career where you don't feel valued, where your work isn't appreciated where no one acknowledges the effort that you've given, especially in these difficult times, where you've got a poor manager, or let's just be honest, a manager that's a jerk. And it's tempting in environments like this for us to simply say, you know what? I'm going to do as little as possible. Or I'm going to do a poor job on purpose. Or I'm going to be dishonest with my work. I'm going to take office supplies home and I'm going to cheat on my hours because you know what? They don't treat me well, so it doesn't matter. Paul says, do your work not for your manager, not for your boss, not for the fellow employees that you work with, but do it unto the Lord. Do your best job, not because your manager cares, but because the Lord sees what you do, It matters to him. And so do it for that reason. And for the people sitting in the church in that day, this would have been completely... So different from anything that they'd grown up thinking about. Maybe Rome came and conquered their country and they got hauled back to Ephesus to work in a mine and they're sitting in church and they're hearing Paul talk like this. Or their parents maybe lost their business and so they sold you to pay off their debts and now you're sitting in church and you've been looked down on your whole life and you're hearing Paul talk like this. Maybe you made some poor financial decisions and it was embarrassing and shameful and you ended up being enslaved to uh, another business person. And Paul says, God sees you. He sees what you're going through. He sees how, whether through circumstances of your own doing or through someone else's, you've ended up at the bottom of society. And know this, that how you do your work matters to God. And you matter to God as well. Would have been unheard of. Last verse, verse 9. Finally, the one you've been waiting for, where Paul sticks it to the bosses and all those awful overlords that you work for. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Paul says, all the things I've just said to these employees, to these bond servants, to these slaves, I say it applies to you as well. Treat those employees in the same way, with respect, with fear, and with sincerity of heart. Paul knew that it was common in that day for masters to mistreat, to belittle, to threaten their employees. Paul says, not so with you. When now that you've crossed that bridge, and now that you've entered into the land of living in Christ, you have to behave differently. You will treat people differently. And the reason for this goes all the way back to Paul's discussion in chapter 2, that at the foot of the cross, we all have value in Christ. That at the foot of the cross, we are all equal in our standing before the Lord. The organization chart might say that masters are more important than employees, But in God's economy, not so with you. You have different functions, but the same value. And you as a Christ follower now have to figure out how you're going to live that out and show value to the people who are under your care and under your employ. And the Lord sticks up for them in these verses. Again, in Paul's day, unheard of. Now, let's just acknowledge that workplaces, as we've talked about parents and parenting, have been challenging environments for people too, for bosses and for employees. Financial uncertainty, layoffs, dealing with rules and regulations, uh, just all the working from home, not working from home, some working from home, some not, all of the complexity has added up over the last two years and has added to wear and tear for everybody in their place of work. And so today, I just ask, how do these verses speak to you where you're at with your career, with the people that you work for, for your relationship with your managers or with your boss, if you're a boss or a manager, for your relationship to the people that you work with? Is there appreciation, honor, or respect that needs to be shown? The people in your workplace that have been under tremendous stress that need to be shown compassion and mercy? Are there people that are feeling lost and falling through the cracks that need attention? Are there ways of speaking and treating each other that would better reflect our faith? Are there unhealthy work habits that have settled in that need to be changed and and brought around differently? And as we read these instructions, we remember that as Christians, as people of faith, everything we do matters to the Lord. Now, I'm assuming when this letter was read in church in Ephesus. And they got to the parts where Paul talked about kids, parents, employees, bosses. Everybody was quick, unlike you, to think about other people that needed to hear these words, right? I wish my boss was here. I could use that, right? I wish my kids were here. We're going to send them this message, right? Because they need to learn to obey and to honor, right? It's so easy in verses like this immediately to think about everybody else and how it might apply to them. The true work of disciples, the true work of people who are learning to put on Christ, who are learning to walk in the way of the Spirit, who are learning to uh, embrace this calling, to let the whole rule and reign of God settle on every aspect of our life, is to take time and ask the Lord, Lord, how do these verses apply to me? It would be my hope and my prayer that even as you make your way through this week, whether it's a relationship with your older parents and you're all grown up, whether it's a situation at work, that the Spirit of God would speak to us about, God, what would it look like for us to walk in your ways in these areas of our life and see you do your work? Let me pray for us. God, today we thank you that you care about what's going on in our homes and in our families. Lord, we acknowledge today um, that there would be situations where relationships between parents and kids are complicated, maybe even broken at right now. And so, Lord, even talking about this is difficult. And so, Lord, we start today by just acknowledging that this is tough. And we open this to you and we ask, Lord, for you to lead us that we might walk in your ways in these matters. Lord, we think about our relationships in our workplaces with our coworkers, with our bosses, managers, employees, and just all the complexity that is represented in that world. Lord, all that has just come undone in these last two years and feels just so challenging. Lord, in these moments, We think about ourselves and your call on us to walk in your ways in these areas. Lord, we would want to bring honor to you by the way we treat people. Lord, we would want to bring honor to you and to your kingdom in the way that we show kindness and love to people. So Lord, continue the work of transforming our own hearts as you need. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.